0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero, and in this podcast, we help college students just like you get internships and job offers from top companies. In this podcast, we explore topics such as networking, interviewing, resume writing, and many other topics that will get you those jobs. Not only do I speak on these topics myself, but I also interview other subject matter experts, including CEOs university presidents, and Fortune 500 executives. We also interview college students just like you in the hopes that you can relate to their stories and learn from their journey. So if you're a college student looking to get ahead, look no further and welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. All right, so before we get started, I want to take a couple of seconds to tell you about the Mastering College to Career Academy. The Academy is a mentoring program that helps college students land the jobs of their dreams before they graduate. In this Academy I will teach you application hacks that will automatically help you beat over 90% of all other job applicants. Networking tactics that will give you access to the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled. Interview techniques That will practically guarantee you make it through every round of the interviews and win the offer. And I will also connect you with my network of thousands of HR professionals and hiring managers that love hiring my students. So if you're interested in learning more about this program, just send me a message. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to this this episode of the Mastering College to Career podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, today I have someone so special for you. And you guys are going to love this topic because it's all about money. And it's about how you can make more money. It's how you can negotiate more money. And when I was thinking about who to bring for this person, I reached out to my mentor, Frances Rios. So shout out to Frances. And she told me that if I didn't have this person, I shouldn't do this topic. So it, it, it was <laughs> like that. And so I have Olivia Hadas, and she is the CEO of Salary Coaching for Women. And she's the author of a brand new book that you guys can check it out. It's on Amazon. It is know your worth, get your worth, salary negotiation for women and Olivia, how are you doing? Welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you, Daniel. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me and allowing me to, to share some goodies with your audience.
2: I'm excited.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm so excited because I, I did want to have this um, conversation about salary negotiation for over a year now but I didn't just want anybody to do it. So to, to have you and you like, you are the expert in this topic. And so to have you on the podcast, I am honored. I'm so excited. And my audience, you start taking notes right now. That's all I got to say.
1: Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Very flattering.
0: So Olivia, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this industry, this niche about helping women and helping people negotiate better salaries?
1: Yeah, so my expertise has always been in compensation, right? I've always been a very numbers-oriented person, and for the better part of my career, what I did was set the salaries um, for big companies, so like for Coca-Cola or big hospitals and such – I worked for a human resources company doing compensation and doing executive compensation. So, not only setting the salaries for the employees, but also for the C suite executives, helping craft golden parachutes. And um, what I started to notice actually while I was working at a university at Dartmouth College here in the US, what I started noticing was that whenever I was recommending a salary to a hiring manager, so that an employee would be hired, right? Like we had an identified candidate, the hiring manager wanted to hire them, they'd come to me, ask for salary range. And I'd give them a completely impartial salary range. What I started noticing was that whenever we'd hire a woman, she'd be hired hovering around the 25th percentile of the range that I'd recommending it. say like mm-hmm. I I recommended a range from zero to 100. The woman would be hired hovering around the 25th percentile and a guy would hover around the 50th percentile. So I'm like, what the heck? What gives? Why is there such, and here here I am, like someone who actually, at this point in time, I did not believe we had a gender wage gap at all. Uh, and and I actually was looking at the data and I kind of, I was mad. Part of my French, but I was truly pissed. <laughs> yeah. I hope it's okay to say that here. But, so I started to go down the path of like, I'm going to actually go and prove that this is just a numerical error and that indeed there is no such thing as a gender wage gap. So I looked through thousands of salary recommendations that I've done and that other peer compensation professionals had done in other industries. And lo and behold, what happened after looking at them, indeed, women, generally speaking, were all hovering around the 25th percentile and guys around the 50th. So I'm like, well, what gives? So I kind of went down that rabbit hole and realized that it's not that there isn't enough legislation or there is not enough company regulations to encourage equal pay. It really comes down to women either not knowing their worth, and even if they do, they don't know how to advocate for it. And that's how Salary Coaching for Women got started. And now it's just now it's been years but it, we've gone really really far in making an impact and changing women's lives so we've served women at every single level of their careers whether they're high school students or c-suite executives for
0: fortune 500s fortune 100s actually and that's amazing because um at least i think about how important your first job out of college is and i tell my students that your first job out of college sets the foundation for your professional career and one of the things I talk about in my book is this example of how there's this two, like, two different students graduating from the same university identically on paper could look the same. One of them could get a job making $30,000 a year. Another one can make, get a job making $60,000 a year, which is double than the other student. And that other student is not two times smarter or two times more talented. And if they both were to get a 5% raise, for twenty years, it would take fifteen right. years for the, the guy making thirty thousand to even catch up to the other person. Um and so I know right. how important that is and, and, and I'm not saying that you're gonna be able to negotiate a thirty thousand dollar difference. That is two different jobs applying for two different industries, two different companies, but there there isn't there is some things that I want to talk about negotiation because I think college students, especially women, are selling themselves short, like you mentioned. And that $5,000 more they could have been making a year will compound to so much more later on in their career.
1: Yeah. And I think you'd be surprised. I mean, we've helped helped some women achieve like half a million dollar raises. So, I, I mean, I don't know about you, how you'd feel about like a half million dollar raise on what you're currently earning. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised that if indeed you have the right strategy and you really know how to package the assets, and this goes for men and women, if you know how to sell yourself and to really become your own best marketing tool, the the, the number is irrelevant. So right. whether you're asking for 10, 15, 20, 30 extra grand more, it really comes down to, okay, how can I make them, my future employer, see that value and how I'm going to contribute it to the bottom line. Does that make sense?
0: No, it makes sense. So I'm going to ask you a lot of the questions that I'm asking you is questions that I've actually been asking college students right now that I work with to Mm -hmm. say, what would you like to know about salary negotiation? Um, And so (laughs) it's going to, it's going to seem like five, uh, like like a lot of questions are coming at you, but the goal here is this, like I understand that in the next 15, 20 minutes that we have together that they're not going to become an expert. But what I do want them to know is to get intrigued enough to want to learn more about this, because if they were to invest more time yeah. or money into this, that is going to pay, be a good return on their investment. So that's ultimately the goal of this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Perfect. Question number one, can a college student have, can they negotiate a higher salary? So we'll start easy. Is it possible for them to negotiate? <clears throat> and- Absolutely. Absolutely. And why why is that? You know, when I think about the uh, negotiations, anything, even salary negotiation, it it comes down to leverage. And as a college student, I feel like they feel like they don't have leverage because they're one of a million students graduating or one of a thousand people applying for a job.
1: See, I think it does absolutely come down to leverage. But what people don't realize is that a negotiation is never a black and white conversation, unless you're negotiating and entering a position that is is created into a what's called like a step structure. So like you enter at $20 an hour and then you, you go up to $22 an hour and then you go, like if you, once you get promoted, right? Kind of like the army. In the army, you really can't negotiate. Those are the situations where you can't negotiate. But if you're in a kind of situation where there is wiggle room, understand that it's never black and white. There's always a gray zone between what's leverage and what's your ability to be, build empathy and influence the behavior of the other person.
0: And, and so I will tell you that when I was out, so I went to school and I started with a management training mm-hmm. program. And in that scenario, they were yeah. very, they don't, they didn't have a lot of wiggle room in a negotiation um, because they yeah. paid everybody at a management training level the same. But what I did realize later on when I was helping my friends get into the company that I never got was that you were, they were able to yeah. negotiate a, a signing bonus. And so to your point, it's not black yeah. and white because there's other, negotiation factors that doesn't necessarily need to be in your salary negotiation.
1: Absolutely. And what generally ends up happening is like male or female, they go into the negotiation. They're dissatisfied with their, the number that they've given them. And their best attempt is to basically say, Hey, uh, can you pay me say like we're, they were offered $35,000 to start the year and they really want 50. So, their best attempt is to go and say, Hey, can you give me $50,000 and antagonize the person they're negotiating with? When instead, if they could partner with the person they're negotiating with and build trust, build empathy, and take that $35,000 and go back to them and say, Hey, listen, I absolutely accept this job offer. I'm excited and I cannot wait to start. However, I need your help here. You see, I've realized that my market value right now is closer to $50,000 or that if you have another opportunity that's closer to $50,000 and this is what you're kind of benchmarking yourself against, like if you can help get them to help you reach that value or set a timeline for you to reach that value, that is how you navigate yourself from a no right now into something that's... It's not permanent. A no right now doesn't have to mean a no forever, mm. right? So then you go into, can you help me get to $50,000 over the next year? So you don't have to reject the offer. You accept the offer. I apologize, you guys. As we're recording this, we're all stuck at home, my kids and my husband, and they're playing hide and seek. Out. <laughs> so it's a little hectic. I, I apologize for everyone, but I'm sure... At this point of time of recording, everybody's
0: probably going through the same thing. 100%. Um, My dog will bark in a second. Don't worry.
1: uh, um,
0: So when you partner
1: with the person you're negotiating with, not only are they going to be 10 times more willing to give you what you want, but on top of that, they're also going to, you're going to start off at the right foot. Like they're going to want to see you grow. They're going to be vested in your growth because you've, you've asked them, you've trusted them, you've, you've partnered with them, and you've kind of, they, they kind of take you under your wing, if you will. Does that make
0: sense? No, that makes a lot of sense. So um, I guess I jumped the gun and I got too excited. Let's think about, I want to ask you, I guess, a question about how do I prepare for that conversation, right? Because I'm sure you just don't go into this conversation with just ballparking a number. So when
1: you're fresh out of college, we're assuming fresh out of college, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's our case scenario. <laughs> So when you're fresh out of college, you know, and then this, if, if I can just like, there's a tiny story here that I have to interject because when I was interviewing fresh out of college, I went to Tufts university in Boston and obviously everybody who was graduating around me was either MIT, Harvard, or like super amazing schools. So I was just, I interviewed for like a middle of the road, no name sales company. And I distinctly remember the hiring manager telling me, looking at my resume, and basically saying, why would I hire you instead of the lowest lying, like graduating student from either Harvard or MIT? You're never gonna get a job. I was like, you jerk, like, ah, it just set me off onto like the wrong path, but you know how there's silver linings to everything right now. I'm one of the country's top salary negotiation experts and career experts for women. So it set me off at the point, at that point in time, like, I hear you. I hear every single one of your listeners who are there questioning, like, why am I even worthy of this? And I totally get it. But here's the thing know that there is another way other than just going in there and like, just going to the slaughterhouse. If you know what you're worth, right? If you're able to understand what you bring to the table and how that is valuable to their bottom line, you understand your worth. Now there's salary, free salary surveys out there. I, being a compensation person, like I don't trust those sources. Like, I don't trust salary.com, indeed, or any of those websites <clears throat> because they're incumbent reported. At Salary Coaching, we buy live market data, which is what most companies actually use, right? They don't rely on free market data. They rely on company or company reported data. So companies report their salaries into a survey. So like a surveyor. Um compiles the data from different companies and then they sell those surveys back to the companies so that's the kind of data that i like to buy and a really good one is eri if you're if your listeners listeners don't have access to that kind of data they can totally reach out to us but knowing your worth gives you the backbone to go into a negotiation and say like understand that 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 conversation or when they say like no this is not what we're going to pay you like the conversation itself takes a different connotation because you already have a backbone, you know, beyond doubt what your market value is, right? So if you know your worth, go
0: ahead. uh, I said, when you, when you say, you know, your market value, is that what the supply and demand is for the skills that you have? Or what do you mean by, because I can feel like I am worth a hundred thousand dollars right out of college. But the reality is that if I graduated from it's a, a, a university in Florida, not an Ivy League school, and I had a I don't have that much work experience based like I, I, who determines my worth is the market, right based on the skills that I have, or what do you mean by that?
1: Right, right. Your worth your market value is like I'm not into airy fairy numbers and hope that I'm worth five hundred thousand dollars for my skill sets the minute I walk out onto the workforce. I'm all about tangible concrete data. So the things that you're competing with to figure out your market value are on one end, supply and demand, like you're saying, the other is industry, right? What kind of industry are you in? The Are you in the information technology, which is completely a hot market right now, or are you in something more mainstream that there's a lot more supply and people you're much more replaceable. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's geography right if you're being hired in like new york city it's going to be a very different market and and the pricing is going to be different than iowa right mm-hmm. or idaho yeah wherever you may be so the geography is different and the cost of living adjustment is different again that's yeah. also tied yeah. into supply and demand
0: so doing and the research.
1: There's also the, the the level of which, so when you're generally, when you're work, going into the workforce, you start up at, at a basic level where you're fairly replaceable, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody is really willing to trust you with the CEO level and the strategic insight into the company until you've proven your ground, right? So there's kind of three different levels. One is the entry level positions. Then there's, a little bit more professional level, if you will, and then there's the strategic level of positioning, which again, each at each level, you're, you're fishing from like a smaller pool, if you will, if you're the hiring manager.
0: Hey, Daniel here. Before we get to the second half of this episode, I wanted to share with you Ashley's story and how she got her dream internship at Disney. Enjoy.
2: Hey everybody, I'm Ashley. And I'm currently a guest experience management intern at Walt Disney World. And quite honestly, uh, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for joining the Bachelor in College to Career Academy. Before the Academy, I had a pretty good plan on where to go, but I didn't know how to get there. So thanks to joining the Academy and going through all the content and just engaging with Daniel and, and himself on LinkedIn and everything, I was able to build up the courage basically build up my resume and just apply for this amazing program that i'm a part of right now um what's amazing is that i get to park every single day right next to um the tron construction so i get to see all of that in action um being uh, a management intern and it's so great i absolutely love it and i recommend that you join as well so you can be a part of something great that's gonna help with your career and it's less than even a class like a college credit so definitely you get your money's worth uh so please do it and just go out there and get your dream internship and or job
0: if you want me to help you reach your career goals just contact me and now let's get back to the rest of the show absolutely one of the things that i didn't know when i was a college student that i was like why were we not taught this in school is there's ranges in every position. Most companies have ranges. So, um, Mm -hmm. and and as a student, most students don't realize that. And so maybe can you explain what the ranges are? I know that you, you mentioned that you did you work for a company that that helped create those ranges and how do, how do companies look at ranges and everything like that?
1: Again, this is exactly like there's, there's, it's a blend of art and science, right? So when a company is offering you a range and they do have ranges, right? That's not a set salary structure, which is there's no bargaining room. When they have bargaining room, the way that the compensation professional is going to set your salary, they're going to look at the position description and your resume Taking into account all of those factors that we just talked about with, with regards to your market value, and they're going to come out with a number. So the biggest way that you as a student can actually influence your market value right now is not only with your resume and and your cover letter and making sure that your position description and your resume mirror each other. Literally like Mm -hmm. And more important, so, and I'm going to talk about LinkedIn in just a second, but like your position description or your resume should mirror the position description, not with the same exact words, but your experience should mimic what that position description says. Because if, if you're in the business of writing position descriptions, you know that like companies, established companies, right? A mom and pop shop might have no idea how to put together a job description, but most companies who know what they're doing will list the key accountabilities in order of importance. So the most important responsibility is going to be first, second, third, fourth, and so on. So make sure that your resume is mimicking that, and your cover letter. See, your cover letters should not be a bragging post for all of your accomplishments and re-highlighting what you already have in your resume. Your cover letter can play a pivotal role in or e- introductory email if you're not doing cover letter in touching that emotional cord with the hiring manager where it's you're you're literally triggering in them you're hooking them in and making them realize that wow how come we haven't come across this candidate before why haven't we hired that that person and the way you do that is by really Understanding, kind of getting yourself behind the scenes of why that vacancy is going unfulfilled and what problems they're facing by virtue of that vacancy going unfulfilled, yeah. right? So you, you put yourself, kind of like you, you have to put this yourself in the conversation in the head of the hiring manager.
0: Yeah. How do so? Let's say that all this leads to an interview, and when you're doing yeah. campus recruitment, there's multiple levels of interviews. And I know students are always wanting to know how much they're going to get paid. If, you know, when should they bring it up? Who should bring it up? And, and should they, should, who should say the number first? Well,
1: you'll never say the number first. That's, that's a given, but when it comes down to the money, if you, if they have not brought out the money component, or if they bring out the question of, And this this was a particularly easy one if you're fresh out of college. Is when they bring up the the okay, what are you thinking in terms of salary ranges? I this this one this tactic like always works with new grad students or new, new students is you turn it around on themselves. Thank you so much for asking that question. I really appreciate it. As someone who's really new to the workforce, I was hoping that you might be able to give me some guidance as to what someone with my background and my qualifications can actually bring to the table for this position and this company. Mm-hmm. So you're basically asking them to help you. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Yeah. So like inst- if they come, because I, I, this question is a lot is like, what are you looking to yeah. make it? What are you expecting to make in this role is what they would ask. And I, what I see a lot of students is that they put themselves in a corner and they'll throw in a number and if that number is in the bottom of the range, then the the manager will be like, "That's not That's a problem, right?" You know, but and so I always try. You know, again, I am not an expert like you in this, but my suggestion has always been like, never reply with just a number. If you're gonna reply, because they'll re ask that question multiple times. That's a great and, technique. You know, I, I would just reply back by the, a range, a ten thousand dollar range. That way, you're not cornering yourself into a number, and and you don't want to also if their, if their range is from 30 to 40 and then you say 50 to 60, they'll know that you're not the candidate and they'll move move on with somebody else.
1: So what they, w- what I would probably do is again, I would not give a number at all, especially mm-hmm. if you're new to the workforce, because odds are you're going to undersell yourself or at least most women tend yeah. to undersell themselves. Um, so what I would say is like how I, I would, again, put that, put that question back in their ball qu- uh, ball court. And when they reply with a number, say they say, oh, well, we're thinking between 35 and 40, probably. Know in the back of, the, of your head that they are more than likely going to low volume. So what I would say is, okay, that sounds reasonable. What are the odds of trying to get me up closer to 45? Right. this is like, again, if you have no clue what your market value is, but you just know it's not 35 go with, like ask them for help. Like, would it be possible for you to help me get closer to 45? Yeah. So that again, you're partnering with them. Don't alienate them by saying, can you get me closer? Like, can you help me?
0: I've seen a tactic that is, 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 is they do a lot is where they'll interview you. N- nothing's mm-hmm. talked about salary nothing's talked about compensation and then they'll mail you they'll call you and give you a verbal offer and then they will like don't worry we'll mail you we're going to email you all the details and in the details is literally a document that you that says how much you're going to be making and you either accept or deny and then students feel like there's that they don't have they either accept or deny there's no negotiation <sighs> sneaky sneaky sneaky
1: that's when you call back hr and say hey this is not quite the number that we discussed. Um, I think there might be a typo, (laughs) but you just, that's where you do have to build the confidence that, that you basically call back the hiring manager, whoever verbally gave you the offer and say, Hey, I noticed that my salary offer was lower than what we discussed. Is it okay if I just scratch it out or like make a note? On the side of it i don't want to make you have to go through all the paperwork of changing it do i just scratch it because that way like you make it certain that it's a typo
0: yeah that, that is not how it should be i guess what i'm saying is right if, if salary was never discussed you know and a student's just happy to be getting a job and the first time they find out how much they're making is from the offer that they received in an email and then Oh, I see what they, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they're like, oh, you I um, have to accept it or deny.
1: No, I would still have that conversation. Well, so actually one woman that we helped, she it was this kind of situation and uh she received a package that was definitely a low ball offer, but she really did she needed a job, right? She was in a situation where she just did not have any other options. So she needed the job, but the salary was ridiculously low. Um, so what we did, again, similar to this conversation, say, hey, I don't think we ever discussed the salary component. I just received my offer. I am accepting the job opening. Can we talk about the salary? So you accept the job offer and then ask for help with the salary. Would it be possible to revisit my salary. Can I have a conversation with you about what is expected or how this compensation operates? Because I don't think we ever really had the conversation. Got it. And ask for help. Don't alienate them by saying, this is a little bit too low for me because that that makes them feel like crap. Mm -hmm. And when they feel like crap, they don't like you anymore. So instead, Make him or her feel like the knight in shining armor that is coming to the rescue to help you. Make them want to call HR and say, Hey, you guys, you lowball this kid, give them a better offer.
0: Yeah. What can we do for them? What can we do? Yeah. How well, can we help them? I really yeah. want them on my team. Yeah. So I know I know we're we running out of time. I do want to, you know, ask you one last question and then I, I have two yeah. more questions for you. So one last question is what are three simple steps that a student should do to increase dramatically increases the odds of getting a higher salary? Um, Is there like research? Like what are three tips maybe that you can just give right away?
1: All right. The first thing, get on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is not only the best way for you to showcase your stuff, but nowadays it is where absolutely every uh, hiring manager, uh, recruiter, headhunter hangs out and are looking for candidates like you and make sure that that profile is sprinkled throughout with the exact keywords in your dream job description. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because that's how the algorithm on the talent solutions end, which is like where the platform recruiters use, that's how they're going to find you by using those keywords. Okay. And you want to rank within like the top two to three pages. The second tip that I would use is start connecting with mentors connect with mentors because there's something to be said for being able to bounce off market ideas. So like if you know people who are higher up in your industry, it instantly increases your market value, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm a coach and the fact that I know Tony Robbins or his son, instantly gives me proof, even though that has nothing to do with my qualifications or my abilities, but it instantly raises your ability and perception. And here's the thing. When you're just entering the workforce, the further up you reach, the more likely people are to empathize and be like, you know what? I was like you once. I, I'd love to have a conversation. Like they want mm-hmm. to mentor you. Yeah. And then I'd say the third thing is knowing your worth and knowing how to ask for it. Again, it's all about persuasion and influencing behavior. It has nothing to do with what the number actually is.
0: Olivia, I know that um, you're very busy, but I know that you also have a LinkedIn challenge. Want to tell the audience a little bit about what that is all about?
1: Yes. And uh, this is unfortunately, like like I said, we're kind of only women. (laughs) All of these techniques do apply for men, but we have... What's called the her LinkedIn Challenge, which we run periodically, you can check it out at herchallenge.com, and we often run different kinds of challenge, but right now we're doing the LinkedIn challenge. Um, and we basically help you craft that highly persuasive, highly visible profile, which is not all about just gaining connections and making connections. It's rather, you know, you can have five hundred thousand connections, right? but it's not about that. That doesn't serve you. That's not a true network. We really don't care about the numbers of connections. It's about the depth of your connections. And that's what we really focus in on. So if you're interested, it's super cheap. It's like $47. It's honestly the highest ROI you'll ever get in terms of your career. Um, So yeah, if you've got girls or if you have a girlfriend, she can sign up for you, right? (laughs) But that's, that's our latest challenge that we're offering right now.
0: Sounds good. I will put that link in the show notes so that you guys can go. And I'll also put Olivia's LinkedIn profile so that you want to connect with her on LinkedIn um, and build awesome. a relationship with her, not just be one of those millions of followers. That Let's
1: go people. deep. Yeah, yes. exactly.
0: That's it. Awesome. So Olivia, thank you so much. Any last words you want to say to the audience? You guys, right
1: now is the exact time when you should be focusing in on your career, listening to absolutely every single one of these episodes that Daniel puts out. Because if you take charge of your career right now, you will be a multimillionaire in no time. Rather, if you leave this off to years down the line where you're like, oh, maybe I should get a raise, you've totally shot yourself in the foot.
0: I agree. Olivia, you have been amazing. Thank you so much. (laughs) And for everybody else listening, catch you guys on the next episode. All right, my friend, congratulations for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. In the age of short attention span, this speaks volumes of you. So now, if you find value in this episode, then I am sure you're going to find value in the Mastering College to Career Academy. So if you want to learn more a little bit about that academy, go to masteringcollege2career.com or just send me a message. And thank you so much for listening and catch you guys all on the next episode.